What is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. Happy Monday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, or 1-800-WBT-1110. Absolutely gorgeous day today in Charlotte. And a great event on Saturday, the WBT 100th anniversary celebration. A ton of fun, and uh, I just want to thank the people that made it possible, uh, starting from... Radio One Management, uh, the the owners of WBT, uh, who I think John Hancock made this point during his comments on Saturday night as well, that, you know, they, Radio One bought, uh, or I guess they swapped for WBT with Entercom, the former uh, owner, and the new corporate owners, Radio One, they did not have to, uh, to do what they did to let this event be what it became which was like amazing. It was a uh, packed theater at CPCC. Thank you, CPCC. Um, and uh, all these, you know, former hosts and employees and family and fr- from all over, they came from all over. I saw so many people over the weekend um, that I had worked with that I knew and I hadn't seen in, you know, almost a decade in some cases. And it was just really, really great. And, um, really focused our, uh, I think, people's attention on the role that this radio station has played in the Charlotte region for so long, for all of the types of uh, charity events that we do and have done and the impacts that uh, we have had on people's lives. And um, they, I just, I keep coming back to what Hancock said. They didn't have to, to do that, and they did. And so I'm grateful for that. And that's, it's humbling. And it's, uh, it was an honor to, to be able to, you know, be back at WBT. It still is for me to be back at WBT, but also to be a part of that event, um, on Saturday night. And, uh, so Marsha Landis, who's our, uh, you know, she's in charge of the Charlotte market here and just fantastic. And, uh, Mike Schaefer, the programming director, but everybody that worked on all of the uh, the logistics and the planning and the staffing and uh, it's just so many people. Uh, I've got, you know, names here, Katrina, Latoya, the narrow way players, obviously Bo Thompson uh, for organizing it and, and writing it and producing it and hosting it. And uh, Debbie and Jackie and the entire sales department and Kiara and Carolyn, Diane and Juanita and Wendy, all of these folks made this happen made it happen. It was a fantastic event. There were so many stories, not just of the founding of the uh, radio station and the chicken coop off of, uh, was Elizabeth Avenue over there. And then the moves that the station uh, made over the years, finally ending up here at one Julian price place off of Moorhead street. Um, they did uh, the narrow way players did some reenactments of uh, a couple of the, the points in WBT history that we knew the stories, but they then acted them out along with Mark Garrison, who sort of uh, you know, played the, the journalist uh, interviewer in the skits. It was just really well done. And uh, congratulations again to the newest inductees in the Hall of Fame, Jim Zoki, Bob Lacey, and uh, John Stokes. And those, these are guys that I worked with. In the past, and again, I'm just I'm, I'm really glad that I could be back here for it uh, at this time. And... I think I'll let you in on a I'll let you in on the sort of dirty little secret here. 
although it's not so dirty, it's probably not really a secret either, which is working in radio is a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun, and there are wacky people <laughs> that work in radio, and I don't know if they're attracted to radio because they're wacky or they become wacky because they're in radio. And, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. And I got to see so many these people, heard so many stories, and it was just a lot of fun. And, again, I, uh, I'm i really appreciative, and I'm, I'm grateful that I get to be here for it. Um, I will tell you that uh, Bo uh, Thompson played some clips this morning on his morning show uh, with Beth Troutman, and uh, those will be available in some form. You're going to hear some more of that stuff in the future. It's just there was, I mean, the event ran, uh, what, three and a half hours or so? And he pointed out, Bo pointed out that it it ended at 11.10 p.m. And that was not by design. The thing went over <laughs> by, well, by Hancock standards. It's probably, you know, it was probably right on time. That's, oh, I kid, I kid. He did go long, though. But, I mean, the, the radio people, everybody can talk. They can fill the time, you know? So, anyway, so it went very long, but I thought that was pretty appropriate that the event actually ended at 11.10, and that's pretty cool. So, uh, a little bit of coincidence or divine intervention, what have you. But I uh, really do appreciate it, and it was a great event, and thank you very much for letting me be a part of it. Um, I've got a, a, a couple different topics that, truth be told, I also should point out um, that... Uh, my, my dad came to town. He was at the event. I thought, I mean, he, he flew in from New York to be here and I thought, wow, he may get the longest distance prize thing, but no, uh, Bill White, the former programming director, he came from Sacramento, John Stokes, his whole family, like his brothers and their family, they all came in from Nebraska and somebody came from, I want to say Albuquerque or, or maybe Arizona. I forget. People came from all over. What uh, It's just a really great event, and um, hopefully we'll get some, because uh, I know there was video shot. We'll see what happens with that, but looking forward to And I'll update you as soon as I find out uh, you know, how that's going to be made available, because it's definitely worth it. If you love the radio station, if you love radio, if you love BT, you love these personalities, the people that uh, you know I'm standing on their shoulders all these years later, um, because I, wouldn't, I would not have a job doing this. Uh, were it not for all of them that came before me and kept this station alive and, and thriving for all these years, for 100 years. It's pretty amazing. So um, I've got a, a bunch of different topics here, but they all kind of tie in, and it's about growth, particularly in Charlotte. And uh, the U.S. population to- in total actually grew, but it grew at the slowest pace in history. Last year, it grew at the slowest pace in history. Now, there's some COVID, you know, uh, impact there, I'm sure. And we'll get into some of that. But this also then ties into big tech backlash. And is it actually about, cover your ears, children, is it actually about sex? Is the real big tech backlash about uh, relations, let's say? We've got a piece by Catherine D., another one by Evita Duffy at The Federalist talking about this um, a rejection of postmodernism that's occurring on, of all places, TikTok. Have you heard about this? Romanticize your life. Have you heard about this? People shooting videos of themselves and romanticizing their life. And Avita Duffy says this is a rejection of postmodernism. So what does this do to our politics? We'll get into all of this. Charlotte growth numbers as well. 
A little bit of NIMBYism and YIMBYism. So the U.S. population grew at the slowest pace in history last year. And that was actually on trend. 2020 saw one of the lowest U.S. population growth rates ever. 2010s were already demographically stagnant, according to Derek Thompson, writing at The Atlantic, who says every year from 2011 through 2017, the U.S. grew by only 2 million people. And then in 2020, the U.S. grew by only 1.1 million people. And then last year, we added less than 400,000, or fewer than 400,000, 393,000. So a country grows or shrinks in three ways, births, deaths, and immigration, right? So first off, he says, let's take a look at covid Last year, deaths exceeded births in a record high number of U.S. counties. Deaths exceeded births in more counties last year than ever before. Never before in American history have so many different parts of the country shrunk because of, quote, natural decrease, which is the difference between deaths and births. But even if we could have brought excess COVID deaths down to zero, let's just let's just assume that that was possible and that we did it the U.S. population growth would still have crashed to something near an all-time low. To understand why, he says, quote, we have to talk about the second variable in the population equation, and that is immigration. As recently as 2016, net immigration to the United States exceeded one million people, more than a million people, which, by the way, it's always an interesting question to ask folks when you're having a discussion or an argument about immigration is to ask how many people do you think America should take and how many do you think it does take legally every year? And you get, you get some really interesting questions and most people are just kind of guessing at it, but it's a million. That's what it, that's what we generally take in is about a million people, but that has collapsed. Immigration has collapsed by about 75%. It's now down to about a quarter of a million last year. And he goes on to say some of this reduction is a result of economic factors, right? You've got immigration from Latin America that is slowing to some degree because their economies have grown. And so when when they do better, people want to stay. They don't feel the need to escape and come to America. Now, some of it is also COVID-related immigration declined around the world because of COVID lockdowns. But a lot of this is an American policy choice, right? He later on goes on to say that immigrants launched nearly half of all U.S. billion-dollar startups. They So of all the billion-dollar startups in America, half of them are launched by immigrants. And that's, I think most people would agree, That's who we want here, right? We want people who want to take advantage of the American dream to build businesses, to create wealth, a better life for them and their family, to do it the right way, right? To arrive the right way. Also, so that's the immigration side of it. Also, though, Americans are having fewer babies. 
like basically every other rich country in the world. Since 2011, annual births have declined by 400,000. He says declining fertility is a global trend, and it suggests that it's not something we, that we can easily reverse by trying to you know, copy some other country's politics or their culture. Around the world, rising women's education and employment seem to correlate with swiftly declining birth rates. He says, in just about every possible way you could imagine, this is a good thing. It strongly suggests that economic and social progress give women more power over their bodies and their lives. But I should stress that declining fertility isn't always a sign of female empowerment, as indicated by the large and growing gap between the number of children that Americans say they want and the number of children they have. There are a lot of potential explanations for this gap, but one is that the U.S. has made caring for multiple children too expensive and cumbersome for even wealthy parents due to a shortage of housing, the rising cost of child care, and uh, a lack of long-term federal support for kids. Again, this is from The Atlantic, so you can kind of gather as politics. Simply put, the U.S. has too few births, too many deaths, not enough immigrants. Whether by accident, design, or a total misunderstanding of basic economics, America has steered itself into the demographic danger zone. So, do you agree? News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender. You oh, Remember, you can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And that is spelled K-A-L-I-N-E-R. And thank you uh, for all the folks who came up at the uh, WBT event over the weekend and uh, said hi and uh, offered kind words. I appreciate it. It was great to meet a bunch of people and to see some old friends and listeners. Steve from the McEwen Funeral uh, home. It's great to see him. And uh, anyway, so just a lot of great people uh, that we got to hang out with on Saturday. And again, I uh, I appreciate being a part of it. Uh, all right. So this uh, piece at The Atlantic, it's by Derek Thompson. And he says at one point in the piece, he talks about COVID and he talks about immigration and he talks about the fertility rate and how that's declining. And it's a global trend. He says around the world, Rising women's education and employment seem to correlate with swiftly declining birth rates. In just about every possible way you could imagine, this is a good thing, he says. In just about every possible way, that's a good thing? I am curious, what becomes of a society, of a country, a culture, whatever you want to call it, what what becomes of a nation that doesn't, you know, repopulate. <laughs> I don't think the long-term prospects are good. He says it suggests economic and social progress give women more power over their bodies and their lives, and that's true. And I don't disagree with that. But at a macro level, if every uh, country that sees this, if you start going into this direction, then are we just going to, what, rely on immigration and hope COVID passes, and and that's it. Just get people to live longer, I guess. What? Births, deaths, and immigration. Those are the three ways a country grows, right? So I'm just kind of curious why that's not part of the discussion. Is it because it it raises some icky, awkward kinds of 
questions about, well, are you saying then, Pete, that you're not you're not for you know equal rights for women? Of course not. I'm, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just arguing for a little bit of honesty in the other side of the ledger, right? This is what I said during COVID as well. I said, look, if you're going to shut down schools and you're going to lock down businesses and all of this, you can't just... You can't just get out there and say we saved lives like Governor Cooper did. You can't just say that because there was a cost to some of those decisions. There is the other side of the ledger, and that should be taken into account as well. Catherine D. at Compact Magazine, compactmag.com, says the next tech backlash is not about privacy. It's not about surveillance. It is not about... um, Uh, back-to-the-land fantasies or fears of artificial intelligence. She says it's about sex. There's a reason why a broad tech backlash has not yet materialized, she says. If you look at all the anti-tech blips of the last two decades, not enough has been at stake. Maybe to ideologues, sure, but not to the everyman. We're all familiar with the ways in which tech has made us less educated, less connected, less free, less healthy. But there's no united front against tech as a whole. Except maybe in one area here where there is, she says, sort of this movement building. Even as they add users, dating apps are gaining critics who have come to believe that these programs are preventing us from forming relationships. (gasps) No way. Really? 44.2 million Americans use dating apps. A full third of men on the apps, one third of men that are on the apps say that they've never gone on a single date. Which I think is why they ended up on the app, right? Oh, come on. Right. That, all right. No, no. But they're already on the app. So they're on the app and they're still not getting dates or not going on dates. 45% of the people report feeling frustrated after using dating platforms. 30% feel pessimistic about them. That's, those are not great numbers. <laughs> 45% are frustrated. 30% are pessimistic with the overall sentiment skewing either ambivalent or openly negative. Can you imagine another product or service that got this kind of negative response from its users? I mean, aside from government. Sorry. A cheap shot. Very cheap. But I take them. Elsewhere, research has shown that these swipe-based dating apps, which I guess that's the whole, like, oh, I like the way that person looks or I don't like the way that, and you swipe left or right, depending on if you're going to, you, you want to put them in your save file or you want to never see them again. That kind of thing, I think, is how that works. Is swipe left the bad one? You, you, Bernie, Bernie, who is, who is the resident millennial, he keeps me informed of... <laughs> so swipe left is bad. You met your wife on Tinder? He sure did. That's amazing. So you swiped right? Okay, there you go. See, he's got personal experience. Um... Well, here, open your mic up. I'll ask you. The, I'll ask you the question. So, did you uh, did you feel frustrated after using the dating platform? No, no. Um, what happens is, I mean, you have to have a mutual connection with that person. In so order she for has to, to swipe right on you. Exactly. 
So if she doesn't swipe right on you, you don't ever see her again. But if they both swipe right, um, then you can then open up a chat to where you can communicate with each other um, and decide if that's something that, you know, you want to go on a date with this creeper or if, you know, you feel like he's a well, genuine yeah. person. But did you just call your wife a creeper? <laughs> no, no. Like, oh, you're the creeper. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I got you. Okay. Exactly. All right. So, <laughs> so did you feel pessimistic? Your overall sentiment about the uh, about the apps? Initially. I think I think initially whenever, you know, things aren't really going your way and you might go on a date or two where it's just just not connecting not with clicking. you. Yeah. I think you can get a little frustrated, but you okay. know, I think honestly it it does give some people that don't have uh the ability to go out, you know, to a party or a bar, not necessarily where you want to meet your next wife. I always. met my wife at a bar. My dad actually met my there mom at a bar too, but well, so to that point though, this is where she goes with this some of this, which is where people are able to meet one another has changed in the society. And so we're now, a lot, like you're explaining, people are using technology in order to meet other people, especially during COVID when you couldn't even meet people at work. And, of course, a lot of workplaces frown upon that kind of fraternization that occurs. Uh, so where else do you meet people? Um, so research shows that the swipe-based dating apps lead to users feeling more anxious and more depressed. Did you feel any of those on using the app? Um, I think you can definitely whenever you don't find that you, you know, have a lot of matches, a lot of people that are finding you interesting or want to get to know you. Um, I think anxiety and depression can definitely creep in. So I could see that happening for sure. So now the next question I have, which is not addressed in this piece, but the the question I I have on this is, isn't that just dating? Doesn't everybody say, oh, my dating life. I mean, I'm I'm Gen X. So Friends, the TV show Friends, was a big part of my, you know, formative years as I was, you know, out of college. Like We were all, like, kind of the same age. And these are, like, beautiful people on TV complaining about the very same thing. So how much of this is actually just the normal course of dating complaining? I mean, you know? I think when you look at it now, Pete, is honestly people see time as money or very valuable to them. Mm -hmm. They don't want to waste time. You know, if you go on a blind I, date I, with I'm somebody. I'm going to stop you right there. First <laughs> of all, i got to do a traffic report. But also, <laughs> I'm not buying it because they spend so much time looking at their phones. All right. <laughs> so when it comes to relationships... Technological progress has not led to better outcomes. In 2020, most singles in the United States reported being dissatisfied with their dating lives. 67% of people think their dating lives, quote, are not going well at all. 67%. Again, is that, but is that always the case? Even when Jennifer Aniston is like, oh, my dating life is... Well, what's the what's the theme song? It's DOA, right? Come on. I, I know it's television. It's not real. They're paid professional liars. I get it. But still, that's sort of the norm, is it not? Thank you for the uh, the gif as well from the Seinfeld uh, episode. Undateable. Right. 67% of people think their dating lives are not going well at all. 47% say it's harder to date today than it was 10 years ago. The share of adults ages 25 to 54 living without a spouse or partner has actually risen 29% since 1990. 
So what is that, uh, 30 years? The share of adults living without a spouse or partner is up almost 30% in 30 years. Americans are having fewer children. Women are not only marrying later, but many are not marrying at all. Many of the trends go back further than the dating apps, but the failure of dating apps to deliver on their promises calls into question the broader ideology of progress and the cult of technology. Indeed, there are good reasons to believe that swiping left, swiping right, that the swiping leads to a cheapening of sex that harms our ability to form relationships. (gasps) No way! So there's a difference between talking to somebody face-to-face and talking to them or just looking at their pictures over a screen? That's so weird. Who could have ever predicted such an outcome? As people come to suspect that the problem is the technology they are using to connect, not the people they're trying to connect with, they will long to return to more human, less mediated forms of connection. So saith Catherine D., who is a writer at Default Friend, compactmagazine.com. Compactmag.com is actually the website. Um, Much larger piece. I just gave you some of the highlights of it there. So that leads me now to this latest trend on TikTok, which is romanticize your life. Full disclosure, I'm not on TikTok. I know. I. Where else am I going to put my dance videos? Not on TikTok. In short videos, users show themselves, quote, romanticizing their everyday lives by creating good habits, enjoying simple things, <laughs> and recognizing beauty in the world around them. Or what I like to call just being a human. In essence, users are sharing a visual representation of how they are transforming their outlook on life. Evita Duffy is writing about this at thefederalist.com. One of the most popular audios that people use when participating in this TikTok trend says the following, quote, You have to start romanticizing your life. You have to start thinking of yourself as the main character. Because if you don't, life will continue to pass you by. And all the little things that make it so beautiful will continue to go unnoticed. So take a second, look around, and realize that it's a blessing for you to be here right now. It is, as she calls it, quite lovely. It is a very nice sentiment. I remember when Robin Williams got kids to stand on desks in order to convey the same idea. And it wasn't even Robin Williams. He was reading, was it Walt Whitman? Is that who he was? I think he was right. Hey, you may play a part. You may play a part. That's what this life is all about, right? Or as my uh, dad says, although I think he quotes his, uh, his late sister, who uh, said, this is not a dress rehearsal, <laughs> this, this life. It's not a dress rehearsal. So, yes, you should kind of look at yourself as, you know, the main character of a story. But I would caution, like, don't be a narcissist and think the world revolves around you. It's not, it, it, it shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be, I'm the main character, so everything is me, me, me. Not that. But you can choose your own adventure. You can do what you want to do, live the life you want to live, and that's really just the choice 
you make yourself. Enjoy simple things. Almost as if to say, take time to stop and smell the roses. Like, there's a reason some of these cliches exist, folks. And also, uh, what was it? Take a second, look around, realize that it is a blessing for you to be here. So what is that? Gratitude. If you're grateful, it's kind of hard to be mad. It's kind of hard to be pessimistic. It's kind of hard to be angry at other people, except in traffic, of course. But, like, it's harder to be mad and to be unhappy when you are grateful. So I think this is a fantastic trend. I just learned about it because I'm not on TikTok. But now maybe I should get onto the TikTok and just immerse myself in watching all of these other people's videos. Oh, wait a minute. I think that's... I think I may have missed the point there. Romanticize your life. This trend. It's among the young people. It's a very positive sign. We'll get into more of that up next. First, news on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Thank <laughs> you.